welcome to the Midwest Sisters Rewatch Podcast. I am Kathy, and I am here with Carrie. Hello. How's it going? That's going okay. All right for a Tuesday. Yeah, yeah. Well, we have decided to switch up our format a little bit. Um, instead of going scene by scene through the episodes, we're just going to do a short recap for each one, give some thoughts and a smoke monster rating. Mm -hmm. And that way we'll be able to cover a few more episodes per, per per podcast episode and get through it a little quicker. (laughs) (laughs) Cause we're getting bored. (laughs) Yeah. It's it's a little, when you've seen it before, it kind of does tend to, Linger a little bit longer. but Yeah. And we figure the further we get into the seasons, it's just going to end up making us angry. So, I think so. It's already starting to bring back bad memories. Traumatic. <laughs> bad, bad day. I know. <laughs> We're going to be heroin addicts by the end of this. <sighs> I can't take it. So, so we're going to start out. I'm going to do the first two here. And the first one is called The Other 48 Days. And the entire episode is a flashback. (laughs) And it's showing what happened to the survivors of the tail section of Oceanic Flight 815. From the moment of the crash up until the present day on the island when Shannon was shot. Okay. So they go, basically they go through the 48 days. It's just kind of chopped up. So. It starts out with this beautiful beach scene and it's so pretty. And then. This big tail section of a plane slams right into the water. Damn. It is nasty. I don't see how they survived that, but Mm-mm. who knows? So, days one and two, after the tail section crashes into the water, um, the survivors, they swim ashore. And there's a little boy named Zach, and he's holding a teddy bear, which we've seen before out in the jungle. Mm-hmm. He points to his sister, Emma, who's floating in the water. And Mr. Echo, he's in a black suit. He pulls Emma out of the water, and Anna Lucia does CPR on her and saves her life. Um, then a man runs out of the woods asking for help, and he says there's someone alive in the jungle. And the man that this man brings Anna Lucia to Bernard. Oh, <laughs> and uh, he's still belted into his airplane seat and he's stuck up in a tree next to a dead person. So Anna Lucia persuades him to grab the, she tells him to unbuckle his seatbelt and grab the branch next to him. And he does that just before the seats <laughs> crash to the ground. <laughs> And then she climbs up to get him. I'll be like, um, can you send that big guy next to you there? I, 
don't think she can hold anybody. She's a little bitty. So she's spry. <laughs> she's spry. So we go back to the beach, and Goodwin, there's this um, white guy, he claims to be in the Peace Corps. He builds a signal fire so they can find us, he says. And we see Bernard go up to Echo, and he asks him if he, he says that I heard you're the one who pulled all the dead bodies out of the water. And Echo said yes. And he said, Was any, were any of them African-American? And he said, no. He said, well, I can't find my wife. Wally, get down. you can't sit up here right now. Go, go, son. Okay. So, and Echo tells him, no, there weren't any African-American people, but he'll pray for her and for the rescue. And that same night, the first night, three of the adults are taken and Echo kills two of the others with a rock when they try to take him. And then from that night on, he refuses to speak. And one of the survivors who identifies himself as Nathan, he suggests staying on the beach. Analysia doesn't want to, but Cindy, who's a flight attendant, the one who gave Jack the extra bottles of vodka, mm-hmm. she backs up Nathan and says that um, the plane was going in the wrong direction for quite a while, so rescuers won't be able to find them if they don't keep the signal fire burning. Just like our group wanted to keep the fire going on the beach. So then we go to days three through seven, basically the next week, um, the tail section survivors are desperately looking for food. And Libby tells Ana Lucia that Donald who is a man who broke his leg in the crash is close to being the fourth to die. And Donald does die two days later and he's buried. And this is just comes like in little bitty scenes, uh-huh. almost just flashes, you know, just flashback flashes. So, um, during this days three through seven, the tailies catch a chicken they're real excited about it. And there's not a very big chicken, bless his heart. <laughs> <laughs> and Libby tries to give some chicken to Echo, but he's he won't eat and he's still not talking. So then it flips to day 12. And on this night, the others come and they take nine more people, including Zach and Emma, the little kids. And Ana Lucia manages to kill another of these others. And she looks through their clothes and finds a vintage U.S. Army knife and a list and descriptions of the nine of them to be taken, which is truly creepy. Uh Uh-huh. So the survivors opt to head into the jungle. 
and they make camp near a source of fresh fruit and uh, fresh water and fruit trees. And I believe that was Nathan's suggestion that they do that. Mm-hmm. So days 15 to 23, after three days of walking, uh, seven of the tailies make camp in the jungle near a river. And Alicia starts digging a pit. And she does this because she knocks Nathan unconscious and throws him into this pit. Which, okay, maybe even if the ground was kind of soft, there's no way she dug that. Okay. (laughs) That was kind of stupid. They could have just tied him up. Anywho. She throws him in the pit and she interrogates him because she thinks that he's the one who took the children. Because he has some unexplained absences. He said he was going to the bathroom. (laughs) And she says that nobody really remembers seeing him on the plane. That was a huge plane and there were a lot of people. Uh So, but everybody's got PTSD and not eating well, so. And she asks, Ana Lucia asks Nathan where he came from, and he says Canada. And she begins starving him and demanding to know where the children are. Uh, She sees a banana peel in the pit with him. And at first, she thinks that Bernard gave him some food, and he was like, bitch, whatever, what me? And Echo says it was him. Well, he doesn't say it was him. He just kind of steps forward and looks at her like, yeah, what you going to do? <laughs> so she, although Lucia tells Goodwin that she intends to start torturing him the next day. He cut his finger off. So that night, Goodwin frees Nathan and he warns him that Anna's on his trail and she's going to try and torture him to get the information out of him. And he gives him a bag of food and says, you know, you better get out of here. So he starts to go toward the beach area. And as soon as he turns to leave, Goodwin snaps his neck and kills him. So Goodwin is another. (laughs) So then we flip to days 24 through 27. And they're moving again, and they find a bunker marked by a Dharma Initiative logo with an arrow in the center. And Goodwin seems surprised to see it. And inside the box, they find a glass eye, a Bible, and a radio. So Goodwin and Anna, they go to higher ground to try and pick up a signal. And while they're there, Ana Lucia reveals that she knows Goodwin is one of the others. Because on the first day, he ran out of the jungle with his clothes completely dry only 10 minutes after the plane crashed. So he wasn't even damp. Mm. And Goodwin admits that he killed Nathan and confirms that the children are still alive. By saying that they're better off. And he also says that those who were taken were good people. And that Nathan 
was not on the list because he's a bad person. <laughs> like, okay, and you know this how? Anyway, so Anna Lucia and Goodwin start to fight, and they're trying, they're both trying to get a hold of the army knife. They roll down this big hill, and Anna rolls further down it, and she impales him with a sharpened stick. Yeah. Uh-huh. And so she returns to the survivor and tells them we're safe here for now. But she doesn't reveal that she's killed Goodwin. So on day 41, Bernard picks up uh, Boone's transmission from the Beechcraft on the radio. Oh, Boone. Boone. Oh, Boone. I miss Boone. And he responds to Boone's, we're the survivors of the crash of Oceanic Flight 815 with, we're the survivors of Flight 815. But then Anna Lucia turns the radio off and she says, it's them. They know our flight number. Because she's so smart. She gets on my nerves pretty quick. <laughs> you know, I was like, I, okay, she's supposed to be the tough chick. I get it, but... I'll take her over Kate any day, though. I don't know. I mean, at least Kate has some personality to her. This chick, all she does is go around giving everybody this stink eye. It's like, okay. But, yeah, but you kind of get that explained in the next episode, though. Kind of, yeah. But she's a tough chick, so. I think she's tougher than Kate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was always hoping they'd fight it out, but they never did. <laughs> So, Anna Lucia says, this is our life now. That's what she tells Bernard when she turns off the radio. So, she goes off by herself and she starts to cry. And Echo, who speaks for the first time since the night that he was abducted and killed the two others, he tells her everything will be all right. And she said, why did it take you 40 days to speak? And he says, he asks her why it took her 40 days to cry. Mm. So he holds her while she cries. And it's very sweet. Mm -hmm. So days 45 through 48, Cindy, who's the stewardess, and Libby, who is a psychologist, I believe she said. She's the blonde chick. Um, they've they were on the beach and they find Jen washed up on the shore from when the raft was exploded. So they pull him from the water and they tie him up and blindfold him. And then Echo tries to find out who Jen is, but of course he doesn't speak a whole lot of English. So... Echo and Ana Lucia begin to argue and Jin breaks free from, runs down the beach. And then we know he finds Sawyer and Michael and starts saying others, others, others. And they kind of go through this, I don't know, montage of scenes mm -hmm. that we've already basically seen. And it's like, it's like, okay, it's like, you know, it kind of sounds like tribal 
you know, drums or something. It's like, okay, I don't think we need to be all that dramatic about it, but okay. <laughs> and of course, all this leads up to Cindy being taken and them hearing the whispers in the jungle. And that's in, that's when Shannon comes up and Ana Lucia shoots Shannon. Mm. That's where we are. And the writers for this one were Damon Lindelof and Carlton Cuse. And the director was Eric Lovin- Loville. So mm. that's that. That was actually a good episode. It wasn't bad because we actually needed all that. Mm-hmm. And it's the only episode I believe they said where Jack and Locke aren't in it. Mm-hmm. So maybe they didn't get a check that week. Who knows? So the next episode, oh, well, are we going to do Smoke Monsters now or? Uh, Yeah. What did you rate this one? I gave it a four just because it was the other side of the story that we needed. Yeah. And they're good actors. They are. Yeah. I always liked this episode, so I give it a four too. I thought it was pretty well done Mm -hmm. in order to tell the other story. Yeah. And Michelle Rodriguez, you know, I, I don't really like her acting style, but she had enough of those people to carry her through it. Yeah, I really kind of, I don't, more of an action kind of star. Yeah. I don't I don't for mind her dramatic monologues. Yeah, I, mean, I don't mind her. I thought she did well for what the character was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she played it to a T. It's I was just mm-hmm. when I was watching the episode of her, she doesn't cry very well mm-hmm. on screen. It kind of looked like she was just having stomach cramps or something. <laughs> but when Echo came up and she did much better. So it was like, I think she almost needs someone there with her. Yeah. She can play <laughs> off other people better. Yeah. Yeah. She can do that. So I give it four. Mm-hmm. What do you give it? Yeah, I would give it a four too. I, I even remembering when it first, when I first watched it, I always liked this episode. So. Mm-hmm. It's a good one. Okay, so the next episode is called Collision. And we start out Let's see. This new format threw me for a minute. Okay. I'm going to start out on the island. Okay. Okay. And Saeed realizes that Shannon is shot. And of course, he starts making the death eyes that Aunt Lucia. <laughs> he gave her stink eye. <laughs> he gave her a death eye. <laughs> Both of them. <laughs> So he gets up and pulls a gun on her and Echo comes up and knocks him out of the way and they get in this big fight and then Saeed is knocked unconscious. 
and Anna Lucia orders um, Echo to tie Saeed up with the binds from Sawyer's stretcher. But Libby and Michael object to that because Sawyer needs a doctor or he'll die. So if you take apart the stretcher, they're not going to get him back there in time. Echo says, no, I'm not tying anybody up. So then Anna Lucia forces Libby at gunpoint to tie Saeed up. And she says she knows what she's doing. So once Saeed is tied up, Echo goes over. He picks up Sawyer over his shoulders. And he carries him away to go find the others. The other survivors, that is. So Michael decides to give Saeed some water. And Anna Lucia's, no. And he's like, hey, if you're going to shoot me, shoot me. I'm over your shit, basically. So Saeed asks Michael about Anna Lucia and Walt. Michael says that Anna Lucia is a survivor from the tail section. And... Um, and that the others took Walt. So Saeed, he kind of reacts angry to the news about Walt because he remembered that he wouldn't believe Shannon when she said she saw Walt. Mm-hmm. So... Um, the rest of the group confronts Ana Lucia and they're asking about her plan and they make a deal with Michael for the release of Saeed. Ana Lucia demands supplies from the camp. She wants at least half of the ammo that they have, a backpack with blankets and clothes so she can live alone in the jungle and she's just guilt-ridden and convinced that Saeed and the others won't stop at nothing to um, avenge Shannon's death. So, at the beach camp, um, Jack's getting water and Rose comes up and talks to him and says that it's good to see him out of the hatch. And all of a sudden there's a golf ball that falls into the water supply there. So Jack goes and finds Charlie, Kate and Hurley and they're playing golf. And (laughs) Jack and Kate flirt for a while. (laughs) God, it's painful. Jeez. So Jack challenges Kate to a game on the golf course and while they're playing golf, they encounter Echo carrying Sawyer back over his shoulders and Echo asks for the doctor. So they enter the swan to treat Sawyer and for some reason Locke's doing the crossword puzzle and I looked it up, the clue that they focused in on it's not, it doesn't pertain to anything <laughs> so that's just one of the you know now you can see the kind of things that they used to do on the show things that they used to bring out it's really kind of strange 
So um, Jack tries to give Sawyer a pill for his infection and he won't swallow it. So he tell, Jack tells Kate to hold Hoyer, Sawyer's head up. And she, you know, is telling him to take the medications. Kate, I'm here. So he finally takes the medication. And Jack says, he never learned the whole whisper in your ear thing in med school. Like, just doctor him for hell's sake. Jesus. Well, he had to whine about it. Well, of course. I'm surprised he didn't smack him awake. So Echo's walking around the swan going like, damn, y'all got it good over here. He notices the Dharma logo. And he finds a closet full of guns. And he looks at it disapprovingly. He then runs into Locke. And Echo tells Locke a girl was shot and killed. A, a tall girl with blonde hair. And Locke says that that was Shannon. And Locke does look pretty upset about it. Mm-hmm. Because, of course, he, you know, was there when her brother got seriously hurt. And, but then again, Shannon did pull a gun on Locke and came pretty close to shooting him. So, <laughs> goes around, comes around. <laughs> So, when asked if he could take Locke um, to the scene, um, Echo takes a quick look at the gun rack and says no. So, and after um, being told that Chan's been killed and Saeed's being held prisoner at gunpoint, Jack is furious. Well, of course he is. He demands Echo to take him there. And Echo just says, anything I say will only make you angrier. And if you smack me, I'm going to put you down. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, I would not be telling Echo what to do. Uh -uh. (laughs) So Michael and son... They burst into the swan and tell Jack what happened. And Jack grabs a a rifle and a shotgun. He gives the shotgun to Michael and he starts to make his way out of the swan and Echo tells him to stop. And he asks Jack what he's looking for. You looking for peace, revenge, justice? And Jack replies that he wants all of his people back safely. And then Echo says, Ana Lucia made a mistake. And Jack looks shocked when he hears Ana Lucia's name because he remembers her from the airport bar. Mm-hmm. So Echo agrees to take Jack out to where Saeed and Ana Lucia are in the jungle, but only Jack and with no guns. Mm-hmm. So now we're going to go into this flashback. And we see Ana Lucia returning to work at the um, LAPD. And she had to take a leave of absence because she was shot by a burglar on a call. 
She was shot four times. Mm. Yeah, in her in her chest, but of course she had her vest on. And uh, she's assigned an office job, but she demands to get back into a patrol car. And she tells this to the captain, who is also her mother. And her mother reluctantly lets her go back on patrol. So right when she's back on patrol with her partner, they respond to a domestic disturbance call. And it proves to be a little too stressful for her. So she loses her, her, um, loses her calmness and draws her gun down on the, on the guy. And her partner orders her to holster her weapon. So when they get was back her, to headquarters, uh huh. Was her partner Abraham from Walking Dead? Yep. Yep, I knew it was. That guy's always showing up on TV shows. I know. I loved him as Abraham. He was so good. I remember him back being on like Beverly Hills 90210. Oh, yeah. He keeps working. <laughs> so when they get back to headquarters, Ana Lucia and her partner, they're discussing her pulling her gun and everything when she shouldn't have. But then Ana Lucia finds out that the person who shot her has been caught. And that his name's Jason McCormick. And he did confess to what he did. Mm. And the only thing left is for Ana Lucia to identify him. And she takes a look at him and she says, nope, it's not him. Mm. And they try to get her to, you know, kind of see reason because it's they have the evidence and a confession. But she stands by her claim and he's released. And then later we see Ana Lucia sitting in a bar. She's followed Jason McCormick to this bar. And she waits for him until the end of the night. And she walks up to him in the parking lot. Of course, he's by himself because it's late. And she draws his attention by uh, shouting his name. And he asks, do I know you? She draws her gun. And makes the statement, I was pregnant before shooting him three times. And then three more times at point blank range. Damn. So that is why the screaming baby at the domestic call that they went to thought she lost her shit. Alrighty then. <laughs> so that explains a lot. That's sad. It is sad. Because the baby daddy that she was with, he left. Because yeah, of all that, too. So, you know, you kind of piece that together through the flashback. Yeah. So, there's a reason she gives everybody the stink eye. Yeah, she had her reason. <laughs> so, Ana Lucia, this is back in the jungle now on the island. And she begins to interrogate Saeed. She asks him whether he has children. And he says, no. Do you? And she says no. He asks her if she's going to kill him. And she says, should I? And he relates how almost 40 days ago on the island, he tied a man to a tree and tortured him. This man being Sawyer. Uh And he had done 
the same thing to many others in his lifetime. And he says others whose voices he still hears at night. So facing a lot of, you know, mental anguish, he says perhaps she was meant to kill him. And then she relates her story saying that during her shooting, all she heard was a pop. And that by the time she hit the ground, she thought she was dead. She says she feels dead. And Saeed asks what happened to the shooter. And Anna says that when that she shot him. And after a long pause, she tells Saeed that nothing happened to him and that they never found the guy. And she picks up uh, Echo's blade and frees Saeed. And she drops the machete and the gun and dares him to take his revenge. And she says, go ahead, pick it up. I deserve it. And Saeed says, what good would it be to kill you if we're both already dead? And walks away. Hmm. And so... Eventually, the rest of the tail section survivors and Jen make it back to camp. And we finally see Bernard and Rose. So sweet. I teared up. Oh, it was so nice to see them Mm -hmm. together finally because she never lost faith. Mm -hmm. And then Jen and Son, too. Yeah. And out in the jungle, Saeed carries Shannon's body back to camp. And Anna Lucia and Jack finally meet again and they just stand apart staring at each other. And that's the episode. Yeah, that was a good one. It was a good one. Again, we got a lot of information Mm -hmm. and uh, Stephen Williams directed this one. And the writer was Javier Grillo Marek and Leonard Dick. Mm. And that is collision i'd give that one a four smoke monsters as well because i thought it was pretty well done and it was interesting to find out why anna lucia is like she is it's true because everybody else you know gets their own episodes to find out why they act the way that they do Mm -hmm. so it's good to see a tail section person get that too so i give it i give that one a 3.5 just because it answered questions. I liked the other one before that better because it, it kind of entangled it more. Uh It brought everything together, which for Lindelof to be involved in something that ends up well is a rare. It's a rarity. Yeah. Thank God for Carlton keys. That's all I can say. (laughs) So yeah, but I liked them both. They were good episodes. Yeah, they were. I thought Anna Lucia's backstory was pretty good. Mm-hmm. It was. All right. Well, I've got episodes nine and ten. And episode nine. Oh, God. <laughs> the Kate-centric episode. <laughs> what What Kate did. Oh, God, help us. Who cares? <laughs> you did everything wrong. Originally aired on November 30th, 2005. 
It was written by Stephen Maeda and Craig Wright and was directed by Paul Edwards. And I'll start with the flashbacks. So we see Kate. She's supposed to be about 24 years old. She's sitting on a porch messing with a cigarette lighter when her father, Wayne, Wayne Jansen, <laughs> pulls up in his truck and he's obviously drunk. So right. Kate Kate helps him to bed because he's basically fallen down and he tells her she's beautiful and Ew. reaches for her, but she leaves and she rides away on a motorcycle and as she's riding away, the house explodes. So Wayne be dead. <laughs> so she rides out to a diner where her mother, Diane, works. And she confronts Diane about an injury caused by Wayne. And then she gives her a homeowner's insurance policy, telling her she'll be taken care of. And Diane says, what did you do, Kate? But she just leaves, fighting back tears. While her mom's calling after her, what did you do? Catherine. She calls her Catherine. Catherine. So then later, Kate's trying to buy a bus or a train ticket to Tallahassee. And she's arrested by the U.S. Marshal Edward Mars. And he tells her that her mother turned her in. Mm -hmm. So then they're driving down a country highway and it's raining and... Um, the marshal is driving and she's Kate's handcuffed in the passenger seat and he's taken her to her arraignment in Iowa. And he questions her why with no previous criminal record or history of violence, she chooses to kill Wayne now. And all of a sudden a black horse runs in front of the car and the marshal swerves to avoid hitting it. And the car hits a pole. And he's momentarily stunned because he hit the airbag. So Kate grabs the handcuff keys and tries to unlock him, but he revives. And then after a short little grapple, uh, Kate kicks him out of the car and jumps in the driver's seat. So she reverses the car and turns on the headlights to drive away. But she sees the horse standing next to the road looking at her for a few seconds before it runs off. Stupid. I know. I don't get the horse, but whatever. Then she visits the U.S. Army recruiting station and meets Sergeant Major Sam Austin, who she believed to be her biological father. She tells Sam that she recently discovered that he was her stepfather and Wayne was her biological father. Oh. Sam said he'd known all along, but hid the truth because he knew Kate would kill Wayne if she ever found out. So he tells her that he has to call the authorities, but he'll give her a one-hour head start. (sighs) Anyway, that was the flashbacks we got for this episode. On the island, uh, Jen comes out of his tent with no shirt on. <laughs> he's followed by a son who's smiling. I bet she's smiling. <laughs> Looking now. So she hugs him. Hurley gives Jen a thumbs up. 
from nearby. <laughs> and son turns to look down the beach and they see Saeed digging a grave for Shannon. So in the swan, Jack is watching over Sawyer, who's only semi-conscious, and he asks, where is she? And Jack assumes he's referring to Kate, and Sawyer whispers, I love her. And so Kate's in the jungle collecting fruit. She does that a lot. (laughs) And she's shocked when she sees a black horse. Oh, for heaven's sake. I freaking hate this episode anyway she goes back to the swan to attend to sawyer and the computer so that jack can go to shannon's funeral so then back on the beach echo comforts anna lucia saying that most of the survivors realize that shannon getting shot was an accident but she decides she's not going to go to the funeral so at the funeral saeed tries to say some tries to say Something, but he just kind of gets overcome and he can only say that he loved her. And he gets upset and walks away. So Jack steps up and Locke and some of the others. And they each pour a handful of sand onto the grave. And then back in the swan, Kate's playing Walking After Midnight by Patsy Cline. And she tells Sawyer she thinks she saw a horse outside. And he starts to mumble, and she leans in to hear him, and he grabs her by the neck and says, You killed me. Why did you kill me? (laughs) (laughs) So Jack and Locke return to the swan. They find the alarm blaring. Sawyer's on the floor. Kate's gone. And there's only 23 seconds to go on the clock, so Locke enters the numbers, resets the clock. Kate's outside. She bumps into Charlie. And asks if he thinks that there are horses on the island. He says, I've seen polar bears, heard monsters, but no horses. (laughs) (laughs) They part ways. And then back on the beach, Charlie meets Jack, tells him where to find Kate. Back in the swan, Locke uses bolt cutters to remove the handcuff that Jin's had on his hand since forever. After he attacked Michael. And so... After Jen leaves, Michael asks Locke about the blast door in the ceiling, and Locke admits that he hadn't really noticed it up until now. So Jack tracks down Kate, and he accosts her for leaving the swan, leaving Sawyer by himself, and she shouts, I'm sorry I'm not as perfect as you. I'm sorry I'm not as good. Mm -hmm. And she tries to run away, but he grabs her forearm and... Jack pulls Kate close and holds her, but she suddenly kisses him. And then she pulls away, and she seems shocked, and she runs off. It doesn't work. Uh, Whatever. Stop trying to make it work. So Locke shows the Dharma orientation film to Michael and Echo and explains how they've set up two-person shifts every six hours, so someone's always there to enter the code. And Locke asks Echo what he thinks, and Echo doesn't say anything and just leaves. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, now he's not going to talk again for 40 days. <laughs> so Saeed uh, goes to Shannon's grave and he places prayer beads on her cross. And he sees Kate sitting there. And she says she's sorry for missing the funeral, but she thinks she's going crazy. 
And she asks if he believes in ghosts. And Saeed said he saw Walt in the jungle just before Shannon was shot and asks if that makes him crazy too. Locke demonstrates to Michael that the keyboard only works when the alarm sounds. And Michael asks if he can look at the equipment and Locke says okay, but hesitantly, but only if he doesn't break it. Then Echo calls Locke aside and he leads in. He's like, I will start at the beginning. (laughs) And he starts talking about Josiah and the Bible. Mm-hmm. And the book found during Josiah's rule, Locke's like, well, you meant the, you said the beginning. You meant the very beginning, didn't you? <laughs> You'll play those mind games with daddy. Come on. So in the end, after telling the story, um, Echo reveals a hollowed out Bible, which contains a small reel of 16 millimeter film. And the book was found by the tail section survivors in the Dharma bunker on the other side of the island. So Locke unrolls the reel of film and recognizes Dr. Candle, the Mm -hmm. narrator from the film they had. So it's all the stuff that was spliced out, apparently. Uh So back in the jungle, Jack's cutting wood. Hurley comes up and they start talking. And eventually they get onto the topic of Sawyer. And Hurley asks Jack if he's mad at Sawyer. Jack denies it. So Kate returns to the swan to relieve Sun, who's been tending to Sawyer. She asks if Sawyer can hear her, first saying Sawyer and then saying Wayne. And Sawyer stirs and he mumbles something, and Kate apparently believes that Wayne's ghost has possessed Sawyer's body. And she confesses that she killed him after finding out he was her biological father. It was too much for her to know that the man who she hated would always be a part of her. And whenever she had feelings for Sawyer, she couldn't help remembering Wayne. So after confessing this, Sawyer wakes up as his normal self, letting her know that he has heard the whole conversation <laughs> and what she said. He's like, you cry, cry. She's embarrassed, but but she was relieved. So Locke discovers that the film in the Bible was cut from the original Swan Orientation film. And so Echo and Locke splice the film back together with the main film reel. And Locke, uh, he's kind of in awe. He's kind of excited that they found the missing piece. But Echo advises him not to mistake coincidence for fate. Mm Mm-hmm. Sawyer believes that they had been rescued because he sees the kitchen and the beds and the hatch. And Kate shows him around the swan before taking him outside to prove that they hadn't been rescued. And they start talking until something catches Sawyer's eye and Kate turns to see the black freaking horse. (laughs) And Kate asks Sawyer if he sees it. He says he can So she approaches and pets it before it walks back into the jungle. Good grief. Back at the beach, Jack goes up to Anna Lucia. She's carving a steak with her hunting knife. Steak as in stick. She didn't have a a ribeye or anything. (laughs) I thought you meant the good kind of steak. I bet they could use a steak right now. Mm. But Jack offers her one of three mini, mini bottles of tequila 
and recalls their meeting at the airport. They smile and they have a little moment. <laughs> and then Locke and Echo watch the missing section of the film and Dr. Candle expands on his warning that the computer is only to be used to enter the code. And he explains that while the isolation of Station 3 may tempt one to use the computer to communicate with the outside world, it would compromise the integrity of the project and may lead to another incident. So, <laughs> at the same time, Michael's examining the computer equipment and he hears a beeping from the terminal. And he goes to look at it and he notices there's still 51 minutes remaining on the timer. And on the screen, it says, hello. So, you know, Locke had said that the, the keyboard wouldn't work unless it was to enter the numbers, but Michael's able to enter um, some text on there. And so he types hello. And then it says, who is this? Michael responds, this is Michael. Who is this? And after a few seconds, dad appears on the screen. And Michael's <laughs> freaking out. So that was the end of that special episode. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I think I enjoyed the last scene better than the I know. thing. It was the best part. God, that stupid horse. I just. Okay. I don't understand. Because when she was in the car with the marshal and he was driving her to her arraignment. He's going on and on about Wayne and, you know, why she must have hated him enough to kill him. Okay. She says he never touched me. Right. Which is it? Did he abuse her or is she just being, or she avoiding never came out with it? The truth. Because her would make you think that she's not saying she's defying it because she doesn't want it to be true. Yeah. But they never really specify whether he actually sexually abused her or not. Which if you just would have come out and said it, it kind yeah. of would have it kind of would have redeemed her somewhat. Or just put some when she was putting him to bed, just you know, he could say something really creepy. Which he kind of did, but refer well, it yeah, back to it her. It didn't refer, refer it back to her childhood. Exactly. You've always been such a beautiful girl. You know, something right. creepy like that. Right. Yeah. But no, because they didn't specify it enough. It might have redeemed what her in a small way. Because, yeah, those kind of people should be blown up in a house, frankly. But Absolutely. They didn't say it. So... You know, I mean, I understand he beat her mom and all, and that's that's bad, too. Yeah. But still, you get your mom out of the situation and leave his sorry ass where it is at that point. Well, I, you know, her mom was probably stuck in it and wouldn't leave, of course. Well, I mean, when she talked to her stepdad, the sergeant. Yeah. He said she loved him. She said Diane loved Wayne. Yeah. So that was her choice to be there. Right. And so, stay with him. I just. Yeah, you're not, I don't know. It's. It just wasn't fleshed out enough. 
because I needed, if I'm going to like Kate, I need her to be redeemed somehow and she's not. Well, we need to see her pain and not just talk, you know, about it. You have to really. And And if bad things did happen to her, you need to say that. Right. Not so oh, that, I'm so tough. I'm I'm not going to say it because then it'll be real to me. Well, that's right. that's not good enough in this case. And then the horse would have been more believable as her escape, right? Or as and her I'm strength. Not, I'm certainly not saying you have to show anything. I don't really want to see that. No, I don't want to see it. But but you put a detail in. Right. Talk about it and say it so that we, as the audience, understand. I know. Because I'm sorry, the way this episode was put together was stupid. And it looks like she did that for, you know, oh, he, you know. He hit my mom. There wasn't enough of what he did. Right. And, and bad enough. What Wayne did. <laughs> I know. Because, <laughs> you know, bad enough someone is an abuser of any kind, no matter Absolutely. what it is they're doing. Wayne should have died anyway, but. We need to know how he hurt our character that we are investing in. And how how it affected her so badly that she felt that was her only option to do that. Right. And to keep running. Right. And be so stupid as to, you know, accidentally kill your childhood friend. Because right. you need to run instead of just standing up and taking the medicine for what you did. Right. Consequences. Because unfortunately, Kate could have been a likable character, but they ruined her. I wanted to like her, but they kept screwing with her. It was like the characters in The Walking Dead. They kept messing with them. Yeah, it's like, it's it's possible to like her, but not when she can't be redeemed. Mm-mm. So, yeah. Her story was just very poorly written. I, I, this episode always made me mad. So I'm giving it one smoke monster. I give it one as well. I, I want to give it more because of the last scene, because that was, it was a good cliffhanger, but it just wasn't enough. And I hate it when they try to put her and Jack together. Oh God. Because it's stupid. And the one scene with him and Alocia, all kinds of chemistry. Yep. And we know later on in other seasons, he has scenes with other women and it's chemistry. He just doesn't have any with her. With not, Kate. With, not with the actress. And, and that happens. That, that happens. I mean, there's just people who don't gel well on screen together. And they're just one. They're two people who just don't. They don't. And you can't force it. But when they keep trying like that, people just hate it more. Mm hmm. So people wanted her with Sawyer anyway. So exactly. Cause they did have chemistry. Yeah. I think later he has some chemistry with Anna Lucy. I think he had chemistry with quite a few people on this show. <laughs> if I was there. I think I'd want some chemistry. <laughs> oh Lord. So sorry, I was kind of hate watching that episode because I remembered it. Oh, God, it was dumb. I've always hated that one. Uh-huh. Because it was kind of like they were trying to redeem her in this episode, but it wasn't good enough. It wasn't. Because you didn't explain it. 
because they want to focus on her being Little Miss America's sweetheart or something. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't, no, her story doesn't project that. Sorry. It doesn't. I hated her for what she did. I mean, Mm -hmm. what she did to Wayne was fine, but. Oh, yeah. What she did to, you know, her childhood friend and and the running bit. Just Mm -hmm. stop. Mm Mm-hmm. Weird. Yeah, I did not like that episode, but yeah. Moving on. Moving on. Episode ten. Thank God. (laughs) Episode ten was called the Twenty Third Psalm, and it aired on January eleventh, two thousand six, and it was written by Carlton Cuse and Damon Lundelof. Oh Christ! Oh God! Well, you had Carlton there, so that's true. Uh, we'll start bad. with we'll start with the flashbacks. This is Echo. Uh, this <laughs> is <an laughs> Echo centric episode. <laughs> <laughs> so the flashbacks were giving us uh, his backstory, which was yes. interesting. Yeah, it was. So we're in Nigeria, and a group of guerrillas or militia <laughs> guerrillas could be confusing if you haven't watched it. Well, Not the animals there too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it wasn't the monkeys. It was no, 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 no. Militia. <laughs> and they descended upon a small village and they grab up a, a little boy who's holding on to his brother. Yeah. And his name is Yemi. And they try to force him to shoot an old man. Yeah. Wow. And he hesitates. He says he doesn't want to do it. And so his older brother steps up, takes the gun, and does it instead. And the gorillas are happy with that. So they ask him his name and he says, Echo. Oh. And the leader says, Mr. Echo is a born killer, and they take him. Mm. And they leave Yemi. I believe it was the son of the actor that plays Echo that played his younger version. Oh, it looks like him. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. He's a big kid. Yeah. So they leave um, Yemi and the other children, but they take Echo to become a child soldier, which is Mm. so horrible. Well, that's just terrible it is it's awful and so they as they're driving away echo's cross is torn from his neck and the leader says you won't need this anymore and yemi picks it up and watches them take echo away so many years later echo's become a powerful warlord in nigeria yeah and he meets with an arabic speaking drug dealer and he's trying to get a large quantity of heroin out of the country. So Echo offers to do him a favor, buy the drugs at a low price, and spirit them out of the country. And Echo deduces the man's quandary that he's stuck with a large supply of drugs in a country with no market for them and no ability to smuggle them to a richer country. And the guy... The drug runner reluctantly agrees, but before he leaves, he tells Echo, it's true what they say about you. You have no soul. <laughs> Which then Echo proceeds to slit his throat and his assistants. <laughs> but okay. He lets the man's son live, saying, tell all your friends I let you live. Mr. Echo, let you live. Mm-hmm. So now a grown man, Echo, visits the church in his hometown. 
And there's a woman outside trying to sell Virgin Mary statues to raise money for polio vaccines for the village. Yemi, his Echo's brother, has become a priest. And he comes out of the church and greets him. And Echo asks him for a plane because only foreign and missionary aircraft are allowed to fly out of Nigeria. He says he'll fly the drugs out of Nigeria away from their people, give his brother the money for the polio vaccines. And his brother tells Echo that he still loves him, but he doesn't want to get involved. So later, Echo approaches him again, asking him to sign papers that'll make Mr. Echo and two other men priests so that they can fly the plane themselves. (laughs) His brother refuses at first, but Echo tells him that if he doesn't obey, he will not hurt him, but his friends will burn the church down. So, Yemi signs. So Echo and his two friends are dressed as priests and they prepare to get on a small plane at a landing strip near the village. But they're interrupted by Yemi. He drives up and begs Echo not to leave, insisting that Echo will die if he gets on the plane. And suddenly the Nigerian military shows up. So Echo's two friends open fire at the soldiers. One dies. Echo's brother tells the soldiers to stop, but gets shot himself. So Echo carries him onto the plane and tells his friend to get in. His friend does, but kicks Echo away from the plane before he can get in. Mm. So Echo watches the plane fly away with his brother. The military approach, and they mistake Echo for a real priest, since that's how he is dressed. (laughs) And ask if he's all right. So... We're on the island, and Claire introduces herself to Echo and sees that he's carving scripture into his club. And she says he should talk to Charlie about religion because he has that Virgin Mary statue he's been carrying around. Mm. And uh, Echo's surprised (laughs) and demands to see the statue. She says, just a statue. But he breaks it open and shows her the heroine. Oh, shit. So Charlie denies that he knew what was in the statue. Claire doubts that. Echo demands Charlie take him to where he found it. So Charlie takes him to a tree and claims he found it under the tree. Echo gets upset. <laughs> and he demands Charlie take him to the plane. And Charlie notices the scriptures also that Echo's been carving into his stick. Meanwhile, Locke teaches Michael how to use a gun. And Michael asks Kate if he can have her shift at the computer, which she says he can. And Michael types a message to Walt, but the computer won't take any input. It comes on by itself, displaying Dad. It asks if Michael is alone. And finally claims Michael has to come for him. The person on the computer says they are coming back, but before they can say anything else, Jack comes in. So Jack talks to Michael, saying that everyone cares about Walt. As soon as they can, they'll go out and find him and bring him back. And when Jack walks behind Michael on his way out, the conversation has disappeared from the monitor. So Charlie, meanwhile, takes Echo further into the jungle, complaining that Echo has ruined his relationship with Claire. 
And Mr. Echo shouldn't judge him because it was his brother that got him addicted to heroin. (laughs) And so they find a parachute in a tree, which leads to the corpse of a Nigerian man dressed as a priest that Boone and Locke had found earlier. Mm -hmm. He opens the man's shirt and he doesn't wear a cross, but has a gold tooth, which Echo touches. And so he realized that it's not his brother. But he says a prayer and tells Charlie that this man saved his life. Mm-hmm. So Charlie loses his way and Echo tells him to climb a tree. While he's in the tree, there are explosions in the jungle and the black smoke that Jack, Locke, and Kate saw. And Mr. Echo stands his ground, despite Charlie yelling at him to run. The black smoke approaches Echo, but he stares it fearlessly down. And as the camera's passing through the cloud, there's that that chattering noise and images flashing inside the smoke from Echo's past. Mm -hmm. We see the man he shot, his mother, his brother, a church, and a crucifix. And the black smoke pulls back and disappears. So Echo and Charlie find the plane. Echo finds another corpse inside and finds the cross around his neck and starts crying. He knows that's his brother. Echo tells Charlie that the man is I is his brother, and he gives Charlie a Virgin Mary statue for the one I broke. Charlie asks Echo if he is a priest himself. He smiles, puts the cross around his neck, and says, yes, I am. (laughs) He burns the plane and recites Psalm 23 from the Old Testament, and Charlie joins in with the reciting that scripture. Then at the beach camp, um, it's just kind of a montage of what's going on on the island. Kate's giving Sawyer her haircut. Uh, Jen introduces Anna Lucia to Sun, presents her with a fish. <laughs> and Hurley and Libby set up shelter. Or he helps her set up her shelter. Yeah. And they're both kind of looking at each other, smiling. And... Charlie apologizes to Claire, but Claire tells her to leave her and Aaron alone. And so he goes into the jungle and opens a hiding place to reveal he has seven additional Virgin Mary statues. (sighs) Charlie. And so he he puts the one that Mr. Echo gave him there with the other seven. Ah. So... Charlie... Charlie. <laughs> and that Philly <really> hurt, Charlie. <laughs> and it's still, still hurting. hurting. <laughs> Charlie. <laughs> well. That was yeah, that, a good episode, though. That was, was really good. It was good to learn about Iko's past and his story, though it was horribly sad. Yeah, it was. It's just so odd to see him play a character I mean you know like a the drug lord character mm-hmm. but then he's so meek yeah because the drug lord character is it's kind of like the character he played on Oz which is just so yucky mm-hmm. but you know it just shows his versatility as an actor he's very good mm-hmm It was an interesting twist in the story. Obviously, 
you could tell from the flashback that he was, you know, religious and had faith as a child, even because he was wearing the cross. But mm-hmm. because of circumstances, his brother was the one to become the priest. And Yeah. Yeah. Betty paid his dues. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And in the end, saved his brother from being the one to be taken and yeah. have to live that life. And we got to see a little bit more of what the smoke monster POV. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, why would this smoke monster show him flashes of his life? Mm-hmm. And it didn't kill him. No, it went away, just like with Locke. Mm-hmm. Except we didn't see Locke's flashbacks. But Locke did say when he came face to face with it that it was beautiful. So, yep. yeah, so I'm not interesting. Sure mm-hmm. <laughs> Even more questions. <laughs> they never end. They never end. I'd I give that, that one. I'd give that one a three and a half. It was a good one. I give that a four. Because I, I've just, I, out of all the characters, I did enjoy Echo's character a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was a good character. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, and had an interesting backstory. Unlike Fruit. some people on this show. Oh, for God's sake. Oh, I saw a horse. Oh, you know what? He got traumatized as a child. Go deal exactly. with that. More. <sighs> Ay, ay, ay. Anywho. Mm. <laughs> Do we get any feedback? I don't want to talk about it. Shut up. <laughs> God damn. You're getting real tired of this. I'm not talking about it anymore. The first class seat just waiting for somebody. Yeah. They don't want it. They don't want it. They didn't care for it. <laughs> Which, okay. Just the just the seeing the lost. I I can see how people would shy away from it. Well. But you can't be scared. You just gotta you gotta try. You gotta take that ride again and see see if it makes sense to you. Because so far, it's actually been pretty enjoyable. I mean... I mean, it has its ups and downs, of course. But the first season was probably the best season. Yeah, but even... I mean, we're on the second season. It's been good. It's picking up. So... Well, in case anyone changes their mind and would like to contact us... Mm. We have a number you can call or text... Or leave a voice message, 331-234-6112. You can email us at midwestsistersrewatch at gmail.com. Or if you have the Anchor app, you can send us a message through there. We'll play it it or we'll read it. We promise. Do it now. (laughs) Do Do it now. We're not the only ones that are going to suffer through these Black Horse episodes, okay? That's right. You're going to do it with us.
do it. <laughs> but we will be back for the next four episodes. Yep. Sorry, we had to take a break. Life kept happening. I got sick and stuff just kept getting in the way. And then they tried to change our Zencaster program. Oh my goodness, that was not fun. But we got that figured out. So Yep. So all is good. Yeah. It is all good. It's all good. All right. Well, we will all be right. back sometime soon. Yes, hopefully next week. And what is it we tell everyone, Carrie? Don't forget to get lost. Woo. See you, everybody.